Yo, this is Quarantine Chronicles, your favorite non-Nintendo podcast, hosted by your least favorite Nintendo podcast host. I'm Kevin. <laughs> to my virtual left, we got Jason. Hey. <laughs> to my virtual right, we got Angel. Hey. I am Angel. And for the next hour and change, we're going to talk about some of the stuff that we've watched, played, listened to, or even thought about these last four weeks. Usually it's two weeks, but uh, RNHQ gave us an episode off. And uh, we take it. Not sure if we're still getting paid for it, but uh, here we are nonetheless. Uh, I guess that's the question I should be asking Jason. We, we've we never been paid. If it's anything, I put more money into RN than anything gives back to me. So uh, mm. if there's a paycheck that you guys have been hiding from me this whole time, I would really like to know. If anyone, you're the one hiding it from us. You're the, yeah. you're the accountant as well. Well, then bad news, boys. There's no money. <laughs> are we in the red? Yeah, are we in the red? I mean, consider we don't have ads and we put money in for the hosting. Technically, yeah. But huh. that's, you know. No profit for huh. a lot of money lost. But you know what we're, you know what we're gaining though? Memories. Friendship. Um, a lot of gigs of audio. Yeah, uh, hold on. Let me see. Do I have, I don't think I've, del- ever since I started being a co-host slash host of, of the, uh, network. I guess mm-hmm. I haven't deleted anything. Same. I could tell you how many our MP3s come to since episode one. Audacity. Let me see. How do I check? Oh, it should just be properties, right? Oh, I've got on this machine still counting. I'm about oh ninety six gigs of audio. So of of compressed audio for all our regular RAM Nintendos it, t- it comes to 16 gigs. Of the ones we've been doing since quarantine started, not quarantine chronicles like the actual like covid. Um it looks like I have about 40 gigs of just my pieces. But you do a lot of the editing Kevin, so you probably have a lot more gig- gigage. <laughs> but between the two I'm still uh, underusing a lot of, now. A lot of gigage. Gigage, sure. a lot of gigage. I'm sure mine's somewhere in between or something. Have you guys been pretty good? Very chill. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty it's been good. a very relaxing few weeks especially with um with where the ninja turtle comic book is going but no pretty cool pretty cool so i didn't think that we're going to be doing this podcast for this long and it looks like we (laughs) might be heading into another lockdown so yeah it almost it almost makes this episode feel like it's like not just like what we'd be up to but like pro tips of what you can do when we all lock down again like here's some fun things you can do (laughs) like yeah it's everything's escalating yeah we should be doing. We should just be doing a podcast of just how we remember the old times, the before times of like yeah. the before times, what we used to do. I take so much of it for granted that I started to appreciate now. Like, not that I don't love like hanging out with you guys, but I, I think um after a couple months of just doing remote recordings, I started getting so used to it that I kind of the idea of like like oh we have to like record late and then everyone well actually. The physical recording part is definitely easier in person because we just recorded on essentially one track simultaneously. Mm-hmm. We don't have to stitch it together. But yeah, I definitely forgot how fun it was to just kind of hang out after, watch random stuff, go get something to eat. Burritos at 1 a.m. as we did very regularly. Yeah. yeah I, I just kind of got so used to just like, oh, I guess I have the rest of the day or the rest of the night or whatever. That you know, Yeah, like podcast day used to be a thing. Now it's just like a couple hours. It's becoming too distant of a memory, and I'm starting to forget what that's like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, geez, it's been like, what, eight months? 
seven months? Uh, yeah, I think it's been eight. Nine? Eight months, eight, yeah. Eight. We started doing this in March. Well, the show we started in May, but the lockdowns we started in March, yeah. If if everyone, like, actually followed protocol, like, literally every single one during that very first lockdown, would it still have been, do you think, this long? Or do you think it would have been, like, oh, just a little over the two weeks or something? Obviously, um, it's impossible for everyone to cooperate, but I'm just kind of giving you a hypothetical. If, say, everyone cooperated... The initial lockdown probably would have taken the time it took, but what would have been different is when we reopened up, at least to some extent, if, ever, if people just wore masks, we it would not be spiking like it is now. We wouldn't have had quite the same ebbs and flows. Like look at somewhere – and even in New York now it's escalating, but look at how like somewhat normal New York was able to be like during the summer in terms of like you know people could eat outdoors and like walk around the city and take the subway. And it was like – you know, you still have to have some precautions. We could go to the park and be fine. Like, you know, they, they're playing a very safe order because they had it so bad to start. But, like, if people just wore masks, like, we could have some semblance of normalcy just without, like, big events. But, you know, small get-togethers, that sort of thing. And some people have started doing that and some haven't. But it's that lack of masks and just, like, not really paying attention to how many crisscrossing, like, quarantine bubbles you're sort of intersecting when you do things. And, yeah. So now, like, like LA's triple what it uh, the case count it was, like, a month ago. So daily case count so yeah it's, it's getting bad and of course the cold weather and flu season means it's you know becoming more prevalent again that, so, yeah that also doesn't help yeah so it's like a double whammy damn definitely also starting to kind of forget what conventions were like like i remember them being very exhausting but it's incredibly fun because they're just essentially like getaways like mm-hmm. you're just there for three days you're focused on the stuff you love and do there's something you can do about any of your i guess we'll call them problems that you had like well maybe not problems but you know like there's nothing you can do yeah. about work. Well, we do have one friend that goes with us every year that still stays in the hotel sometimes to get work done from work. But for most people, you leave that stuff behind and it's just a nice little vacation. Whether you even like the stuff you see at Comic-Con or not, it's still just fun just getting away. Kind of like a trip to Disneyland. And especially it's with like your a, friends. It's a vacation with another relaxation because you're up crazy hours, you're running around, you're exhausted. But yes, it is, it is a nice escape. And I, I think to your earlier point, Angel, like, yeah, it's like it's easy, like especially early on, we're like, oh, the touchstones are like, ah, culture kind of grinded to a halt. So there's no conventions, there's no concerts, there's no like. But yeah, the thing I'm actually missing most is the little things, like even not even necessarily like us hanging out. Obviously, us hanging out, but also just the drive to and from. Like I haven't been on that side of LA in eight months, and that's weird considering I used to drive to your house every weekend. Or like you know, we go like randomly to a mall on Sunday, a group of us, and just like walk Man, that's around. That's time I saw you on Sunday. video. You seemed. A lot happier than usual, so maybe that is related. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe I secretly resented you this entire time. No, but I think you've um, actually been anti-graying. No, I, 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 I do miss like the little things like that, or like even stuff, even simple stuff like just like be able to go to a store and not have to worry about well, I got hand sanitize my hands now, and I gotta like do this and do that, and like did I stay there too long? Was I too close to people? Like you know, just being able to like freely do stuff, or like. I actually got a taste of that the other week. It's actually really nice, but it kind of shows how far we've come from the norm. Is um, when I went to go mail my ballot in mid October, I walked to the ballot box, and by and on that Did route, exercise ha- what? No, but uh, on that route, I was like, I'm good. Well, actually, it's me and my girlfriend. But on the route, we were like, we should go get something to drink. So we walked 
off the route to a nearby Starbucks or something, Earth Cafe, I think, and got drinks and just ordered them like normal people and got them and then went back on our walk and then dropped the ballots off at a park and then like hung out at the park and then walked back and it felt almost, minus wearing the masks, like a normal pre-COVID day. And normally that is the most unexciting story in the world, like the least interesting thing you could possibly do. But because of how trickier it is to do, but it was like a little adventure. Exactly. Exactly. It was a little adventure and it like felt like a kind of return to pre-COVID times. Granted, you know, they were distancing in the, in the coffee shop and like every time we passed along the sidewalk, we like stepped almost into the street so they could, we could all have room and we were in masks, but still like for that couple hours on a nice, like sunny October day, it really did feel like the before times and it was kind of nice. And it's something to your point about taking for granted, like, yeah, we took that sort of stuff for granted, but it's nice to be able to still do that on some level. So, on some level. At least in rare circumstances. <laughs> so that, that was my little story. So while you haven't been able to, like, go to a Comic-Con or something like that, you have been going to, like, these in-car events, right, Jason? I have, yeah. Yeah, and that's what's actually kind of interesting is, like, when I was joking, this episode's almost like a cheat sheet of what you can do as we re-lock down. Like, these in-car events have really like they're really stepping up because i think the writing's on the wall for so many event organizers and brands and like activations and stuff that this is the the way to do things now like this is how you gotta do it so i've done two totally different ones that are kind of the same kind of difference and one was like a local like mom and pop operation that was basically a halloween food crawl slash they called it like a creature forest but basically they uh took over a park over uh, in like El Monte or something, um, and they're currently retrofitting it to be a Christmas thing. But hold on, we hold went... on, hold on, hold yeah. on, hold on, hold on. El yeah. Monte is that? Isn't that a place? El Monte, dude, I'm white. What do you expect? Oh, hold on, hold on, hold <laughs> on. Come on, Jason. You, you know you can pronounce it. Right? You can you can still pronounce it right? Yeah. El Monte is it El Monte? I never. I just listen. When I moved here when I was 14, I learned all my pronunciations of all the areas in LA from uh, NBC 4s local 11 o'clock news. So if Colleen they, Williams they called El Monte? it, El... if Colleen Williams and Fritz the weather guy called it El Monte, El Monte I called it El Monte. Like if uh, I learned, like I learned, like, like the, well, I mean, I guess the, yeah, yeah. The, the weird thing is they El should call it El Monte, Monte. El Monte. It, it, it's, it's, it's either, English. It's either El Monte, El Monte, yeah. or El Monte, but El not Monte. El Monte. <laughs> yeah, there's no double e. Yeah, like it, yeah, maybe I just said it wrong. And I just keep thinking of Monty Mole every single time they keep saying. <laughs> just throwing wrenches as cars go by, so yeah. El Monty Mole. El Monty Mole. Well, at least going forward, you can say that one right, I guess. I can, yes. Thank you for, for enlightening me. But yeah, so there's one over there at a lake, and that was kind of a mom and pop thing. And then I did another one that was Stranger Things. Um, but the mom and, mom and pop ones, and they were very different experiences. So like the mom and pop one was, they called it like a creature forest, and basically what they did is they had you go to this park around a lake. It happened to be extremely foggy that night, which worked out for it because it's Halloween themed. And they they had you turn off your headlights, and then they guided you by tiki torch through like a special path they created. And they had all this like dramatic lighting on the trees and this like you know regular park by a lake. But they sort of turned into this thing. They had all these elaborate costumes, and there were like things lurking, and then they like charge at the car as you drive through. It was kind of like a haunted hayride sort of deal but the hayride was your car that you were enclosed in but then you went on um further and they sort of switched it and after you do like this forest you uh do a food crawl where they basically have you stop at i think it was eight different stations and they had all these elaborate weird costumes and the stations were set up to tie a theme like tie in with the costume and then they gave you food and at the end they had like a 
they called it a campfire, but really it's just, it's like a screen projector thing with like some old ghost story or something. And then, you know, you got like a hot chocolate at your last stop and you got to sit and eat all your food and watch these like kind of old tale things. And it was definitely sort of like a lower budget affair, but it's kind of one of those things that like, you know, people are making do and coming up with some creative ways to let you do stuff while still being COVID safe and in a car. And I suspect like that sort of thing is probably popping up all around the country. So whether or not you're here in LA, like, those sorts of things are kind of a nice reprieve from the boring seeing at home all day. Even if, you know, it was a little like kitschy feeling and whatnot, it was still kind of nice to have that. But then what LA has that's really cool was the Stranger Things drive into experience, they called it. And I don't know, are either of you guys thinking of checking it out? Have you heard anything about it? Like, I don't know if I want to. I could do. What I, I've heard about yeah. it made me not want to do it, but. Really? Of course you would say that. I don't know. Um, it, it, it might be the way the person described it, but it just doesn't sound like it was me. Good you're, you're calling me out, <laughs> <laughs> um, Kevin. I've I've never really been a uh, a Stranger Fans thing, a Stranger Fans thing, <laughs> uh, a, a Stranger <laughs> okay, Things fan. Human. <laughs> yeah, I get a Stranger it. Stranger Things fan, so it just eh, it, it could be cool. I'm 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 sure, regardless if you're a fan or not, the experience could be cool. But eh, it just hasn't grabbed my attention that much. It, I'm definitely more like I don't know. I, I can't say I definitely don't dislike Stranger Things, but I also wouldn't say I love it. I think I just like. I watched enough and I guess enjoyed it just enough to watch like another episode. And at some point I, I definitely had, um, I was kind of stuck in that sun called fallacy where I'm just like, Oh, I'm too invested. I just need to keep watching it. Mm, so like gotcha. I kind of watched like season three out of might as well instead of a, I want to see what happens next. That's how I was with the twilight series. Oh. I've never seen a twilight. I'm proud <laughs> to say. Surprised they even got to that point. <laughs> I, uh, yeah! you not, I saw the, you love the first, first two movies, like at, kind of out of spite, and then I was like, "Well, I've already seen half the movies. <laughs> I might as well see the other two. <laughs> I mean, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I do get that. I do get that. You're already so invested. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I think the first season was fine, or definitely the best one. I feel like the other two definitely just felt like it. I don't know. To, to me, it didn't feel like maybe part two so much le- a little less so, but they kind of felt like. Um, something needed just to keep the plot going instead of the, the way it would naturally grow. I guess I don't know. It, I don't know. I, I, something... Well, I think I think with Stranger Things, it's interesting because it's it was supposed to be as Angel you once told me it was supposed to be an anthology series, right? Yeah. So they had their story arc for season one, and they're like, "Cool, done." And then it took off in such a way, and those actors and those characters became so popular overnight. That Netflix, understandably from a business perspective, was like, well, hold on, double down on that, please. Now triple down, I'll quadruple down. So yeah, it did. So the way kinda, I thought about it is almost exactly how it was supposed to be then. I mean, not that they did a horrible job with the other two, it's just that, like, I definitely get, I definitely got that vibe, I guess, before I even found that out. That it was like, that it didn't really feel necessary. Season two feels like it was trying to follow the same beats as season one, but with a different theme. So season more. one. What yeah, if- like season one was all Dungeons and Dragons, right? And then season two was them like, well, what if we do another 80s analogy? And it ended up being Dig Dug, of all things, essentially, which I was cool because it's like a really like, like low key, like, like it was a Dig Dug without actually being Dig Dug. So it was like kind of a cool, like little subtle video game reference. But, um, season three, they kind of threw the idea out the window and then just did like, I think, well, 
they didn't really do like a tribute to a specific thing. They kind of mixed and matched like different eighties, mid eighties genres, um, and horror and like sci-fi and stuff. But yeah, it definitely season two felt like it was trying to repeat season one. Season three felt like they finally were like, all right, let's do something a little different. And apparently season four is even more different than the others from what I've been hearing. So maybe, maybe they kind of found their groove of how to evolve it. But yeah, I think season one was definitely the strongest and then maybe season three and then season two. Mm-hmm. But. I mean, um, that's but kind of the, the case with all these things. I mean, like even the Halloween movies, they were supposed to be also an anthology series, but Michael Myers right. is just too popular that it just kept going. Yeah, and now, season of the witch wasn't that great. Of which season of Halloween the witch? 3? That was the, the oh Halloween yeah, three. yeah, it. Uh, but yeah, so the the Stranger Things thing. Um, the reason I ask you guys up front how much you care is because if anyone is in LA and plans to go, I'm gonna kind of spoil how it is because I feel like talking about what they did really emphasizes like the contrast of types of events that are now being put on. Yeah, if really you're really shows, interested like, in going, don't listen to this explanation. I'm just kidding. Yeah, just just skip like a few minutes ahead. Use the timestamps on the blog post. A. Hey. But anyway, damn it, I forgot it again. <laughs> that's why I, that's why I ate at the end there. But um, basically it was like three parts and they actually did Kevin for your reference. They do it at Road DTLA. So where we had Adult Swim Fest and everything. Oh, yeah. yeah, so they and and that's a great event space in LA cuz there's a huge open area and it has a huge parking structure. So they use both. So you go and the theme of this thing is it's a Hawkins High School reunion. And uh, the mall, Starcourt Mall from season three, is where it's being held. But there's recently a chemical leak under the mall, which is a nod to season three. Um, so you have to stay in your car. It'll be a car-based reunion, but they'll have, you know, and so they kind of like weaved in why we're all in our cars. Question. Yeah. Are you guys, so this isn't like, this isn't like a car wash where you're like on a rail. No, you, you drive actually through. have to drive, right? You drive and stop. You stop and go. Okay. So, and, and that's kind of, that was true for the other one I was mentioning, the little Halloween crawl. It was called the bite where, um, you, the whole time they look like, turn off your headlights. It's okay. We know it's dark. And they just lined a path with tiki torches and you're literally just driving through the dark. Mm-hmm. And this was kind of similar where they had you turn off your headlights and they either were have you drive down set paths or they like had people instructing you on where to go. And, and it was very elaborate. But yeah, so basically it starts and you're kind of in this holding area outside. And this is for anyone who wants to do any of these events. This is the hold up with all of them is they all have holding areas because you can only fit so many cars into these things and you need to space the cars out so everyone gets an experience. So everything I've done like this is always like, hey, it'll be an hour and then you're there two hours later finally leaving because you wait for so long. But if you're willing to wait and if you have someone in the car or multiple people will keep you company, it's not so bad. But um so they put you in like this holding area for Stranger Things. It's outside. It's themed around the actual high school reunion. So they have actors – can, like portraying all the cast of the show very much in oh. a Universal Studios type of way. Um, but and not you know, the so they characters, have, huh? Not the okay, no, they're not, gonna, they're not gonna have Millie Bobby Brown just like for three months just be doing this every day, right? But at that point, why even have the that kind of breaks the illusion? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, that's well, not... have you guys never gone to like any of this stuff at Universal Studios where they do the same thing? Like the Stranger Things, like uh, corn mazes or whatever? Or... Yeah, but but technically, I've always thought. Me personally, I've always thought those things were lame. Like having, and it's like a costume character, like um, yeah, like Mickey or something, where it's like, oh, Mickey's always identical. But when it's like a real life character, I mean, in real life, as in like portrayed by a live actor, Mm -hmm. then you have a different actor. Uh, To me, it kind of breaks the immersion. Unfortunately, that's fair. That's fair. Like nothing against the dude, but the person, the person that I took a picture with when I first went to Disneyland. The Aladdin is the most palest guy. <laughs> and Aladdin is supposed to be... I, he's not supposed to be Middle Eastern, is he? Do you think yeah. Arabic? 
He's totally, yeah, he's totally Middle Eastern. It's set okay, in so, Arabian. So, so yeah, so, so Middle Eastern people usually have, you know, a darker complexion. This yep. guy, you could practically see right through him. So it was me in a vest <laughs> a, is what you're saying? I just showed up in a vest one day and you took a picture of me? Essentially, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they might as well have given me a, given me a, like a ginger guy with, with freckles and everything. So it's like. Just a full on Irish dude. Just Conan O'Brien took a photo. Yeah, just Conan O'Brien as, as Aladdin. Stealing bread. <laughs> But yeah, these guys were a little better cast, and they didn't really the, – the thing that was key here is, yeah, they weren't the same actors, but a lot of them didn't exactly like have a key role. So what they did is they put – actually, I take that back. Like half of them did. But basically, they have you in this holding area. They have like the science teacher from the show kind of DJing the night, and it's about as awkward as he is in the show, which is intentional. And they um, Wait, have the characters actor roaming. or someone portraying him? Someone portraying him. And you're in this holding area, and there's food, and they kind of make it like it's like a fun time. It's like a stage show, and they have like – just give you a sense of the scale of this. They have like people walking between the cars. They have people like dressed as like Eleven walking around and like she'll kind of like, you know, act like her. And they have like a camera crew walking around so they could do like a stage show and have audience participation. They'll go car to car with the camera. So like already higher budget than you may think. They have like literally a camera crew just constantly roaming. Then you finally go in and you go through three different set pieces and the show and the set pieces are basically recreating key moments from season three. And they do them in different ways, which is what's kind of interesting. And I won't go too much into the details of what HR for people want to do it, but essentially you drive up the parking structure and you pull into one area and you're basically in an underground bunker from the show uh, under the mall. And they have all the cars line up along the sides and then they start the show sort of and they have people like doing stuff in the middle. But because of the length of the cars, because obviously you can't have like a center stage very easily unless you have obscured views, they did two things that were interesting. One is depending if you had two or four people in the car, the two people cars are on the sides so everyone could have a view. And then they had the four people cars come in and park in the middle of the stage, so to speak, in like a row. Um, but then had stuff going on around them so everyone in those cars, the four people, could actually see everything, like have a 360 view. But they had the cars come in in as part of the plot. Like it all made sense, like the reason those cars are now like coming through. And I thought that was actually kind of clever how they like really thought about every car's angle. And then um, – they had, because of how long it is, two sets of actors, but they realized how absurd it was where if you look left, you see Dustin and some of the characters, and then you look right, and you see Dustin and some of the characters. So they actually kind of – it was almost like a interpretive dance in a way where they had like the two sets of characters kind of intertwined, and like people that were on the left would be on the right. People on the right would be on the left. They were dressed similar but different enough that you kind of could tell, oh, that's the guy from the left. That's the guy from the right, and uh, it was just interesting how they like kind of weaved it, and then they had like a Demogorgon and – so that was like the first room. And the, and the whole thing in the parking lot was rigged up with – like they built sets. They had lights. They had smoke machines. They uh, – when you get to the finale, they actually put a sub on the roof of the parking lot so it shakes the floor even though you're using your own car's sound system. Like they really tried. So you do this first room. <laughs> they really tried. <laughs> they really tried. No, I mean like it wasn't like they half-assed this and they're like, oh, yeah, it's Stranger Things. People just do it. Like they really like, – I know, but, but it's not like you're like taking pity on them. And they're like, oh, the poor thing. They did their best. They really tried. No, I, I thought they pulled it off. So it didn't really work, but they, but they tried. They tried so hard. but and, and also like as you're going through this, they have people interacting. So the first room thing – you know, you're in a bunker or whatever, and it's about the Russians kind of running in. So they have people dressed as Russians, like looking at each car and like looking for the character, like looking like? in yeah, your what car. What does a Russian exactly <laughs> look like? Uh, they look like they're wearing communist outfits. Oh, like okay. Russian so they were right all there. like in a uniform, not just like oh yeah, Russian no, civilian. Just, like, some guy <laughs> like, named Vlad who just walked up and like handed you vodka. No, I think no, you know they're all like, wearing they like Russian yeah, soldiers. those very tall yeah. hats or something. Yeah, yeah, kind of like kind of like think like uh, 1980s Russian like army men. 
Yeah, so hammer and sickle. Yeah, hammer and sickle. Yeah. So they and they USSR, not necessarily Russia. Fair. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't Vladimir Putin. No, it was USSR. Uh, but you know, and they had them like looking at each car, and they had like the actors when they needed to hide from Russians. They'd like hide against your car and like interact with people in the car and like tell them like be you know. So that was kind of neat. Then, did then you guys you... actually speak Russian though? What? Did do you guys sp- actually speak Russian? I don't know. I mean, they spoke actually. I think at one point they do talk amongst themselves in Russian. But... Okay. Yeah. See that that's cool. Like yeah. them talking. It, it, like I think them briefly. talking loud enough for you to be able to hear that they're. That oh, I they're... should I should clarify something. They're all mic'd up as well, so it comes through your car. Oh. <laughs> now so, let me rephrase. That, let me rephrase. Yeah, let me rephrase. The, di- the no, main okay. dialogue is mic'd up and comes through your car, but when they knock on your window and like shine a light in, they will say things because not all of them have mics. So like the character, the people that are right. hired to basically be the window knockers, uh, they will like say things through the glass to you. Yeah, hold but on, I don't remember on. if that did was they, Russian. Did they did they require you guys to wear masks? Uh, as long as our window, if we ever take, pull down our window, like roll down the window to like get food or something, yes. Otherwise, when you're in the car, you can have your mask off. Cause you're okay, in an enclosed gotcha. space. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that was like the first room. Then they have you drive up a ramp and you enter the upside down and they like turn this ramp into like, it looked like you're, <laughs> I don't know, they like, flip the whole thing. What? What? No, they don't flip your no, car. No, they don't flip, they do not flip the car over. But they do like have you go up this <laughs> ramp where it's like, um, you know, like they completely convert into this big glowing blue thing with like a light at the end of the tunnel and the music syncs up. Uh, they did it with like local FM radios. So eat, they spaced out the parking structure enough. So each time you went to a different floor, you didn't have to change the channel, but the audio appropriately switched, which was kind of cool. Uh, but you know, you sync up and like the synths are getting super intense and like it's getting really like, you know, stranger things he's sounding. And then you round I the corner. The soundtrack. It's a real, and it's throughout this thing. And you round the corner and then like you're in the upside down to the point where they are shooting the little like debris at your car. Like they set up, I guess it was bubble machines that had like food coloring in the bubbles or something, but the way they shined the light on it, it, they basically made the like drifty, ashy snow of the upside down. And as you're driving through it, it's like hitting your car from every angle and it leaves a mark on your windshield when you're done. And I washed my car that day and I was like, damn it. But, um, but no, so then you go into like the second phase and this one, um, this one's probably the weakest of the three because what they did was they have you snake the car, like they had like all the cars snake in like this huge, like curvy, I don't know, basically so they could cram all the cars in, but everyone all had a view of something. And then they right. set up this floor with like the upside down like vines and they had like all these screens of different sizes and they basically did like a sizzle reel of key moments from the show which was a little eh, like all the like scary moments but as they were doing that they had all the lights synced up in this parking structure and then they had people walking around in hazmat suits like the people that are researching the upside down for the government and they're going car to car and seeing like the whole premise is you have to be quiet you have to be still in the dark we're in the upside down like we shouldn't be here and then they actually had people going car to car and like banging not banging because they don't want to break your window, but, you know, like tapping your window with flashlights and like shining it in. And then like if you make eye contact with them, they linger longer. And for people that are, you know, more jump scare prone, they will totally lean in on that. And that was the second floor and you kind of weave through all that. And it's like they're pumping so much fog in there that it literally does not look like a parking lot. It's obviously a parking lot, but they, you know, do blackout curtains and everything. And it does not look like a parking lot. And then you go up to the third floor, the final floor, the roof. And this is where they put the subs in because they tried. And right. <laughs> um, on, on this floor, they've got about 40 cars in a normal parking lot setup, but we're facing a stage. And then it turns out the second it starts, there is a screen that wraps around the entire – like three sides of this parking lot they put us in, like a huge HD screen. And they do basically like a 10-minute long stage show. And it's the relationship between Eleven and Hopper and like her key moments and his key moments and – 
they recreate stuff on the show. But what's insane is one, they had high wire acts. Like they actually rigged up a high wire thing. Oh. You know, see, so they kept people like. Is come. this at the top of the parking lot? Top of the parking lot, yeah. So they built That's a stage that has like dangerous. a. Uh, well, I mean, it wasn't high wire like that high. They basically rigged oh, okay. a. I should rephrase. It's basically they had people on 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 uh, harnesses, but they rigged okay, it okay. so that like you know they could have someone like fly out. And do something. And then they had the background, the screen that was the entire height and length of the stage and the walls basically sync up with what's going on on stage. So like, you know, Eleven does something and shoot, stuff shoots out from behind her or a Demogorgon dies and like explodes into a bunch of bits. And then the bits fly all explodes. the way down and around. Calendars? What? Not like explodes? Oh, I guess Eleven blew them up? The Demogorgon. Yeah. Well, you know, it turns into its like little, its little, uh, bits of upside down, the little, ash or whatever and they had that like spread across the entire all three screens and again because it's they have to accommodate all these cars and that's a lot of physical space they have not just like one eleven and one hopper and one of her dad and one of billy from the show they have like sets of them kind of and they acknowledge that you can look and see all these sets so they're all doing slightly different things or they're purposely looping things like when they recreate um I think it's from season one where the scientists are like dragging Eleven down the hall against her will. And like when they initially reveal she's an experiment. So they have like four sets of them just looping, just constantly walking across. Like it, it it's really like visually really cool. It, it's, it almost felt like interpretive dance, but it was like really cool how they like synced it all up. And then, um, you know, they of course had lights and everything up there. And basically like it felt like those Universal Studio tram rides where they like take you into like a set piece and they do like a whole thing. And you're still in the vehicle, but everything's happening around you. But they built this out of nothing in a parking structure. And that's what kind of is like, I think so impressive. Like they basically went, all right, COVID's happening. It is what it is. But what if we can recreate a theme park experience in a random parking structure in the Arts District of LA? And they like totally pulled it off. All in all, how long did this, uh, did this take? We were there for about two hours. The actual in the parking structure parts, so like the not. Right. You know, not the holding area was about an hour. Uh-huh. It was like 15, 20 minutes per set piece. And then you drove between them very slowly with your headlights off. Um, so the, let's say the experience yeah. was what, 45 minutes? No, it's probably closer to an hour. <laughs> oh, closer to an hour. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's about an hour. Um, that's, that's pretty good. Not, yeah. And it's, Wait, so I would expect like a quick little, like, 15 20 minute thing no it was like a that's, whole thing and and that's, that's the, here's the catch though because they built it in a parking lot out of nothing it is per car for two people 100 bucks but if you start doing the math oh. and start dividing it as more people you know get in the car it kind of becomes not much worse than a movie and some concessions right so it's really not that bad i would say like for 50 bucks a pop when it was just uh me and rachel i would say that was like we both were very happy with it afterwards we thought it was very cool. and we did it on halloween which was like kind of perfect, but yeah, like I, I, I think like that scale of in-car event is probably not going to be all over the country or readily available. Um, it'll probably be in all the major cities. Uh, but like the idea that companies are kind of figuring out these things and, you know, from the range of the little mm-hmm. kitschy, Adapting, like I spent I two, yeah, exactly. And the, you know, I spent like two minutes talking about the, the like little Halloween crawl we did. And I spent like 10 minutes talking about stranger things. And the fact that both of those, you know, were something that like, didn't exist before this. It was all because of COVID, and now there is this range. And the you know the crawl was like a third the price of the Stranger Things thing. Like there's going to be options. So if if people are feeling cooped up, it's at least nice to know that like companies are starting to adapt and actually do things and make things that you can do while being safe still. And they're and they're like you know totally different than anything you've done before, for better or worse. Like obviously, 
it's a little less interactive if you're in your car, but like that's an experience where you like drive through on your own terms and like have a stage show like kind of surround you that wouldn't happen pre-COVID. So like there's right. some advantages to it too because you're getting new experiences. So, so that's my long ramble about this stuff. But no, 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 that's that's pretty cool. I I yeah. do remember when me and a couple of friends were taking a road trip down to uh, Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, we I think it was in Arizona that we passed by. Bears. It, it, it was. I'm sorry. Was it Arizona? Was it Arizona? Do you know what I'm talking about? Is that your guess? Say. Oh, never mind. No. Sorry. They have what? a bear park that you drive through in Arizona called Arizona. For all I know, <laughs> that's what we passed by. But uh, since it was near Christmas, or I think it might have been after Christmas, it was like yeah, it was like this little drive through, drive through experience that looked really really nice. It was like really bright. It was really colorful. Especially it was since we passed it during the night. It was just like a bunch of cars lined up this snaking, uh, this like snaking runway, mm-hmm. but it, it, it obviously didn't look anywhere near as interactive as this. It was literally just like a bunch of lights. It was almost like you're going through, it's a small world, but just like <laughs> right. within uh like, I don't know, a quarter of a mile. Huh. Yeah. And I, su- I suspect there's going to be all over the country, a lot more of that sort of thing going into Christmas because, you know, like, I mean, even here in, in Torrance, like 15 minutes from my house, there's a neighborhood call that dubbed candy cane lane because everyone in the neighborhood puts up christmas lights to like an extreme and people just drive through as kind of a diy like version of right. one of these experiences but i guarantee you a lot of companies big and small are gonna be looking at doing stuff like that and what's crazy that you don't think about is even on the small scale even like the little food crawl one we did the logistical planning required to figure out like it's one thing to be like okay we have this many people and we have this much capacity it's another thing to be like well cars vary in length and it's dark and there's this and there's that and there's safety like the logistics of figuring out how to turn a parking lot for example into a weaving upside down like i can't imagine how like long they had to sit there and like map things out on like a piece of paper and be like well if we put a curve here does it buckle into this one and like what about this screen and we need to get that width and it's just it's crazy like the amount of effort that requires but but it's nice that people are doing this because i think we do need especially as things are locking down more of a reprieve and these are yeah i I mean i i would hope that this being done like all over the state unfortunately i i doubt that you know some some little place down in kansas is some little town down in kansas is gonna be fortunate enough to to have an experience like that but i mean i I don't see why why like you know metropolitan areas new york Mm -hmm. dallas or at like any of these places would be wouldn't be able to do it yeah i could could see more companies even if they're short term like the stranger things thing was extended through spring it's so popular that they're doing it through spring now but um, because they realize they can't have nothing to do with that event space road detail is made for festivals it's made for events it's made for smorgasbord to the big food thing out here there's no reason that you can't do any of that. So they just rented the space they, for like six months. So do they play like a trailer of season four at the end or is this like uh, trying to that at all? Or there's not? one thing they alluded to that I was like, I don't remember that being in the show. And I, I was then corrected that it was in the show, but I don't think it was in the show. <laughs> so what, there what might have been a little, they, they kind of alluded to 11 being taken away in a van. And I don't remember that happening at the end of season three. So uh, what are we able to tell you? Yeah, so, like, I don't know. And then they even, when you leave, they even have, like, a van parked there. Like, the van where they show everybody take it away parked there like it's ready to take her or something. I'm like, I really don't remember that happening. Oh, and one other thing that's really interesting is they're also figuring out the merch game. So in the same way you go to a concert yeah, or you go to, like, Pops. Disneyland. What? 
Oh, that's the Let me guess. All pop they, did, they did not have Funko Pops, no. But what they did is they had a system where if you wanted merch on your way out, you go in a separate lane. They take you to a different part of the parking lot, and then you pull into spots, and they have kind of like the cage with all the merch on the wall like they do at a concert attached to the parking structure, like to the to the pillars. And they have people basically running, and you scan a QR code, and you can like browse the merch on your phone and pick which one you want. And all they did was have people manning that, just giving merch to cars uh-huh. or selling merch What'd to cars. What did you get? But I was thinking – I uh, well – Going into it because it was Halloween, uh, Rachel wanted to do costumes, so we did like an 80s outfit thing. So That's they were selling on the website ahead of time a Hawkins High t-shirt. So I have a Hawkins High like class of 85 t-shirt. That's cool. Now. That's cool. But, but, what, but what'd yeah. you get? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that's what I got. I got it beforehand. <laughs> no, I uh, think you didn't buy any merch at the thing. No, well, that shirt was for sale there. I was just already wearing. Oh no, we did. Um, that's what I was Souvenir, souvenir, Starcourt Mall, and Hawkins High cups because we wanted something to drink in for four extra bucks. You could get souvenir cups. So, yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah, but I thought it was just interesting that they even factored in how to sell merch and had like a whole like drive up merch experience. But anyway. Yeah, yeah, so that's that's, that's awesome. Definitely would like to see them extend. Ex- I mean, expand to a different franchise or something. Yeah, and that's the thing is, I think this is just the start, and a lot of them are going to be shorter term. I mean, there's like drive-in movie events like all the time because it's L.A. and Hollywood and all, but like I'm sure a lot of places are going to have like short term. There should be tours or you know that. Sort have there of been stuff. any car concerts that you know about? Uh, Orange County, I think, is doing a few. Actually, I'm guessing that's but... the only way we would see a concert at this point. But yeah, I was I was about to talk about it. The uh... I don't know if you oh, guys yeah, know who Mark uh, Rubier is. I've heard the name, Mark but Anthony I can't is. tell you anything it's, about him. It's, I know who Mark Anthony is. <laughs> uh, Mark Mark Rubier, uh, he's that one guy who does performances like in bars, who's like really, really... like. I'm sure if I show you guys a picture of him, you guys would, would know who he is. Here, let me send you guys... Keep vamping while I get a picture of him and put him in the messenger. Uh, yeah, so how about them... Uh... Sports. You know what? My Detroit Lions have been having an amazing season. So, your Detroit, think? your Detroit Lions. Hold on. Have you, I, have you actually followed the teams? Like, are you really that invested in this? Yeah, I Google Detroit Lions every once in a while just to see how they're doing. <laughs> and then I see the score. I like how that's how you are. follow a team. Is you occasionally Google them? <laughs> well, I mean, that's a good. So I'm. I'm unfortunately a Jets fan, so Oof. why? Why Jets... would you do that? To... I don't care about sports, and I know that's a bad choice because I <laughs> always pick New York teams. Okay, okay. I, I always do. I I've never lived in New York. I've never been to New York. I just had this thing <laughs> that I always pick New York teams, and sometimes I pick the wrong New York team. Okay, so when it comes to football, I unfortunately chose the Jets, and then with uh, with hockey, I unfortunately chose the over, Islanders or the over the Rangers. Much. No, because that because at that point I'd be a bandwagoner. Uh, I can't believe you chose the Islanders over the ring. I mean, like, so I used to go to New York every year. I mean, the Islanders, are, the Islanders and... are doing doing much better than they were when I started following them. But yeah, like I I went I go when I was a kid I went to a Ranger game a year every time I went to New York, and like they feel like the New York team. Like the Islanders are like they play like in a different borough, not yeah, in the heart they, of Manhattan. I'm pretty sure they like, play in New Jersey. They do. Yeah, I think they play in Newark or something. I think they shared yeah. an arena. I think they might have stopped. I think they're now actually in Brooklyn at Barclays, but I'm pretty sure they shared yeah, an they arena Barclays, with right. the New Jersey Devils, which is ridiculous because one's New Jersey and one's New York, but they play in the same place. How does that work? But yeah, now they play in Brooklyn though. Yeah. Nine, nine. And I don't really have a New York uh, basketball team, but 
There literally is only one. I'm surprised or no, that, there's I'm surprised two. that there's Angel was this dedicated to the to the running gag. <laughs> well, because we actually have stuff on the line. Well, I don't have stuff on the line. A friend does. You might get a free jersey if they win it. If they win the Super Bowl, right? Isn't that what the, the no, Wait, did no, you no. say that the Detroit Lions were having a great season? If I if they get to the playoffs, they're fourth I'll, in their standing. <laughs> Kevin, he doesn't understand sports. I mean, I don't either. But like, that, I thought it was to him, that I, is I thought great. it was like golf. Like less <laughs> points means good. Or <laughs> no, it's not golf, not. dude. <laughs> to be fair, the Lions do have three wins and five losses compared to the Jets having uh, zero wins and nine <laughs> losses. Oh my god! Are they the worst team? The Jets are the are dead ass the worst team. Of course, in the you would end up favor like following the worst team. <laughs> the Jets haven't. The Jets are the only team this season that haven't won a game. Wait, wow. did they? Did they lose to the Dolphins? Ooh, Kevin, I'm just gonna point okay, out no, you they, chose they Dolphins, you though. chose to bring up on a recorded record that you're a Jets fan before checking their score. <laughs> so before checking their record. So, uh, well, I've been a Jets fan for about three years now. Okay. I was expecting now, a lot longer see. than three. Okay, well, <laughs> it's not well, too late to I, change. If I chose no, well, because apparently the Giants are two and seven, and they're fourth. Wait, in so there. can the Lions still make it, or is it already too late? Uh, I'm gonna say it's already too late. I mean, not 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 I, I not because you know. think they're gonna lose more games, but like, is it still possible? Uh, no. Wait, did you was this bet that they would go all the way to the Super Bowl? No, the the, the bet was more like I was just um. Infatuated by the Lions because they did an Animal Crossing um, game schedule right. video, and mm-hmm. so I'm like, oh, they're like an awesome team because oh yeah, I even like downloaded the shirt in Animal Crossing and I put it on my villager, and then our friend Nigel he said that like oh if you like oh like I'm, he was just like like oh you're actually getting into football well like if they make it to the playoffs I'll get you a jersey with your name and if they make it to the Super Bowl I'll get you a ticket to the Super Bowl, so I was like oh might as well go for that then. You want to know why he said those things? Because he knew that the Lions yeah. were not going to make yep, it to yep, either. Well, yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, frankly, they're not I mean, I know they're, both things are really Bowl. expensive. I mean, I feel it's a safe bet, but I think... Can oh, you oh, imagine but, the Lions at the Super Bowl? Yeesh. Can you imagine there being a crowd what at a the season Super Bowl? That must but, be but as time went on, you know, like, <laughs> the Lions have given me more reason to be a fan of them than any other team has given me. So I sort of started growing attached to them, so... Maybe they Angel. might not win this time, but I will be keeping an eye on them. See, Angel, they gave you more reasons to be a fan because they're the only one you're paying attention to. Hey, they got my attention. <laughs> I, I don't. Yeah, I don't see the other team doing that. True, true. Any okay, team could have done that, but they're the ones that did. So fair, fair. Mm. All right, but Kevin, okay. you were talking about concerts or something, and I jokingly was like, "How about sports?" And now we're on sports. What were you guys talking oh, about concerts? The, uh, uh, Mark Mark Ribier, uh Yeah, I do recognize has, him in the photo. Yeah, he's a. Uh, he did a drive-in concert at the oh, yeah. Rose Bowl. <laughs> yeah, uh, there have been stand-up awesome. comedians doing shows at the Rose Bowl as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think, oh, speaking of stand-up comedians, I'm pretty sure uh, Hannibal Burris was one of the guests of uh, of Mark's, Mark's tour. I, I really mm-hmm. wanted to go to that show, but man, tickets were way too expensive. How much was it for... Because you're in your car, and there's no like... Yeah, you're in a car. It? I think it was 240 mm-hmm. for four people in the car. So I mean, like you once you divide it up, it's, it's not that yeah. bad. But uh, especially like if you want to go by yourself, I think it was like eighty bucks. Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it's and be... I don't know, I don't know enough uh, Mark uh, Rubier fans to <laughs> to be like, hey, you guys want to go? It also must be so weird to like go to a concert, like for the performer to be on a stage where the most you can get are some honks. Like you can't hear laughter, you can't That's hear true. cheering. 
Like I like it's been inter- it was interesting watching like the stump speeches of like Biden and Obama going into the election where like they were ca- talking to a sea of cars and like Obama be like are you fired up and everyone just be like beep 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 and, it, and that was it and it was, it was so like, is that what people felt- were joking about the jeeps or something like that or is that something else? The no, jeep. that was something else. Oh. oh, the jeep 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 thing. Yeah, no, that's something yeah. else. But yeah, it's just like it's a, it's such a weird time, but people are making it work, and that that's kind of nice. Because we're in this for at least a few more months. It's kind of nice, huh? It is. You know what? You know what else is nice? Hmm. My wife. Uh, <laughs> this is, wow. We've uh, we've been a little delayed on this, but uh, yeah, we have. Bora Bora had to came and went. That's literally how it but, feels. Uh, <laughs> like, well, you know what's yeah, weird about that? Before I, well, first, it, I guess we should first but, talk about the movie. What do you guys think of it? And then I have a thought about how fast it left the zeitgeist. <laughs> So I mean, I mean, I I loved it. I thought it, I thought it was better than the uh, than the original. Personally. Yeah, it definitely felt more cohesive as a story. I, I enjoyed it. It was funny. Yeah, I think I think narrative wise, it, it was strong. Wasn't for as sure. and also she definitely woman, had some. I mean, compared to the first one, at least it felt. Or maybe I'm just misremembering, but it definitely felt less crude. Even though there were definitely some crude. I think we're things. desensitized. <laughs> to be honest, That's I think. I mean, I, yeah, that might be it because. It's like uh, it wasn't as crude, like, but then you like, had that dancing scene. No, no, yeah. I mean, oh, well, yeah. well, that's kind of like the dancing scene is like the only thing I could think of off the top of my head that I feel would have been like more of like the shock humor thing. Everything else was the baby. Uh, what about the baby? It was all audio. Are you talking about the doctor's response to the girl being no, no specifically no, the where like they're trying to get rid of the baby. Oh, right, 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 right. Out of context. Spoilers for her for Borat too. <laughs> <laughs> Although it is it is uh, available on Amazon Prime Video, is our is so our spoiler like siren for Borat two just wah wah wee wah over and over like we just play a sound yeah wah wah yeah you guys like keep a little, talking like a little whoever's siren. not wah, talking wah, about it wah. has to be wah wah wee wah in the background yeah <laughs> but um yeah I I I think I think what was missing a little from this one like I thought narratively it was stronger and I also think I'm blanking out her name but the woman that right? plays his daughter was really She's good. Great. Like, the yeah. fact that she held her own in terms of, like, because, you know, it's always like, oh, Sasha Baron Cohen's this unique, one-of-a-kind guy who can, like, really roll with the punches and deliver this sort of thing is sort of the, like, myth around, like, Borat and Bruno and his characters. But she, like, matched it perfectly. And obviously there are other comedians who can do similar. You know, Eric Andre does a straight uh, – does a perfect, like, you know, straight man in a weird situation sort of thing. But, um yeah, like, she really held her own. But what – and so narratively, I think her and how they intertwined it and strung together all the – all the bits was stronger than Borat 2 but I think it lacked some of the oomph for the original one because we're desensitized to some of the crudeness because we're older and the internet has corrupted all of us but two I think like the whole like the first Borat was so much like you can't believe what these people say in these parts of America what these people think but I feel like it's kind of like the mask has come off for a lot of those people in the last four years so nothing was that there are a few examples but it was less shocking because they're not hiding it anymore yeah, we, we kind of, I felt yeah. like we almost kind of knew, or what we we knew what to expect from people's reactions. So it was just more of like, like, oh yeah, they would act like that instead of like, oh, sh- damn. There were a few where I was like, oh boy, like there was one when uh, they're talking to the doctor about her pregnancy. I'm not gonna spoil it for anyone else seeing it, but the the doctor's reaction was a bit jarring. And that, the doctor's yeah. response to that to the question, I I did. I was like, I don't. Did I hear that right? And I went back and was like, oh, I unfortunately did hear his response uh-huh. right. Like, probably one of the weirdest, 
Oh, God. <laughs> like, and see, I think the first Borat, I don't know if it's, like, rose-tinted glasses or, like, because it's been however many, 14 years or whatever, but I feel like the first Borat had more of those sorts of moments because what the second Borat was exposing was things that have always been exposed for the most part. So if they, if we were in a bubble still, like, if it was, if we didn't have, you know, the last four or six years and we were kind of in this bubble and then people were saying and doing what they were saying and doing in Borat 2 – subsequent movie film uh i think everyone would be like what but like with the exception of the doctor guy and maybe that rui giuliani scene which obviously felt like they uh overhyped a little um in terms of the severity of it like obviously it wasn't great but like they made it seem like it went a lot further than it actually got to i feel like most of the movie was just like par for the course for culture these days which is weird or for a subset well, of well, culture I think because the first movie was definitely more about american culture in general yeah while this movie especially with the state of politics it's definitely it's it's very much focused on I, I guess on just like like ex, not exposing people on the right. It was emphasizing. Of, I mean, it kind of was. It wasn't really exposing. It was just showing how even in just day to day life, those views are prevalent. Sure. In that community. And, and I personally would have liked if they if he also went in on the quote unquote woke uh, side of things. Mm-hmm. You know, just to give the movie a little bit balance, because it de- the movie definitely is one-sided. I yeah. definitely would have liked if he went hard out. I, I feel like at one point they did, and I just don't remember any. They, like, yeah, they, there was a moment. There was like a scene or something, but it wasn't even. Yeah, it, it was a scene in this in this long string of. It was, yeah. The movie was definitely, know. like, it was post This Is America or whatever the sh- or not This Is America. What's his show on Showtime? Who, who is America? Who is America? Who is America? Yeah, This Is America. Who is America is America's also hilarious. Yeah, but this is like definitely post Who is America with Sacha Baron Cohen has been more um, vocal in terms of specific politics opposed to just exposing like kind of the weirdness of – although the first one was pretty specific too if you think about – of the Bush era really. So it kind of – I guess they kind of line up, but – the thing that was so weird to me is I said, like, the oomph wasn't there in the movie. I feel like the oomph and culture wasn't there. Like, this thing came and went in a heartbeat. Like, it's it, it's kind of, you know... It, well, they could it have only free like, for a day or... I mean, no, that, that I think, kinda, you know, I think it's because the accessibility... Like, I think, I think, honestly, to the point before about how, like, COVID's changing society and we're going back in lockdown and some things we take for granted. I think something we took for granted is, like how movie culture was and how it now is uh, granted we haven't had as many big blockbusters but like in my opinion we it felt like there were movies that were like tentpole like cultural moments or like movies that really like captivated the, the country or the zeitgeist or whatever you want to call it for a little bit of time and obviously some of those got pushed off right like a bunch are next year now but the ones that came through still like borat it kind of what happened with netflix like remember when Netflix would drop all their – they still do – drop all their episodes for a show at once and everyone watches it and like over the course of like two days, the entire discourse of something comes and goes. And then all the other streaming services are like, well, you know, we should actually trickle them out. We should Game of Thrones it. We should you know do that sort of thing, Mandalorian it. So like there's a weekly conversation to be had and they kind of force it to be like kind of a cultural thing for people who care about the show and it builds up momentum movies while they are a one-time release i feel like because you had to go to a theater and like plan it for a weekend or like hear from a friend it's worth spending the money and the time like it they were able to draw out a movie to a longer period of time so like borat one the reason everyone was able to walk around going my wife and while while we was because like it's like oh did you see it too are you in the know okay but now i'm gonna like (laughs) tell these other people about it or something yeah kind of it's like yeah it's like a frankenstein thing no but um 
if you just throw it on Amazon Prime, like if I say to you guys, like if someone's listening to this, they're like, well, you should watch Borat. They'll be like, okay. And they'll hit pause on the podcast. They'll walk five feet to their TV. They'll hit the Amazon Prime button and they'll watch it. And that's it. And then they're done. And two hours later, like, yeah, okay. And the conversation just stops. Or they tell someone right. else and the conversation goes for about 12 more hours and then it stops. But like when movies were a thing, when there was like, or like Comic Con, you mentioned conventions earlier, Angel, when, um, you know, when you, there's like a hype cycle and they really like ramp it up and then kind of let the audience carry it after that. Like it felt like movies were like an event or like a big deal. And not every movie ever was. And some are, there's some exceptions. I feel like Palm Springs had a weird, weirdly long stretch of people talking about this summer given that's just a hulu streaming movie like it was like for three or four weeks i kept seeing references but um for the most part it feels like these are very flash in the pan moments which is strange because movies used to be such like watershed key like defining moments in culture for a little while and they just kind of come and go now like there's so many on netflix like there's that one with shari staring where it's like some war movie or something and like for a day people were talking about it and it kind of disappeared and there's some exceptions still, like, um, what's that chess thing that everyone's watching? Queen's Gambit? Uh-huh. Queen's Gambit. Like, I've heard yeah. a lot of people talk about that in the last, like, mm, two weeks or so, but I bet you're not going to talk about it. No, I'm just saying in general. Like, there's still, like, some, like, flashpoints that get people's attention. But I just feel like movies in particular are now suffering the same fate that a lot of Netflix shows suffered that led to companies drawing their releases out, which is it happens, you talk about it. For a second, and then it's gone. Like Borat Two, theoretically, had the like going into it, it had the momentum. Like, oh, this is gonna be big. This is gonna be a thing. Like, you gotta watch it. Everyone's gotta watch it. And then it came and went, and everyone watched it. And then it's like it never happened. And that was weird. Like, it feels weird. It's only been like three or four weeks, and is we're that, talking about it on the podcast like it was years ago. It's weird. Do you think that's also kind of why you still haven't finished BoJack? Just because it's not really part of the, I guess, the main consciousness um, now that you don't really feel rushed or kind of like yeah i need to watch because like no one's really talking about it anymore i honestly even forgot how it ended it's it's been so (sighs) on some and on some level this is a me problem because i really like being in like the the like i'm really weirdly into like being in like the rise and fall of certain like like like, oh i want to talk about this i gotta go see it and see why he can but i feel feel like what oh yeah like i'm talking yeah mr went to the xbox presentation just because he can (laughs) well no that's different i like the game industry. I've told you about this so many times. I like the game industry. I'm a Nintendo fan, but I like just the the gaming world. So if I have a chance to go like experience it at its peak, even if it's not Nintendo, I still am interested in doing so because it's still like a big key moment in gaming. It's a little different. Um, like it's still fair, uh, fair, like fair. cool to see them put their best foot. I will forward. say, President Angel probably would have gone. And not past it. Well, you're also pining for experiences. I feel like so it's a little different. Oh no 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 now. no not because of COVID, but. Just oh, oh yeah. Well, you have more. You're more in the ind- like into the gaming industry than you were before. Mm-hmm. So quite literally. So makes sense. But yeah. um, yeah. I don't know about BoJack. Like, and that might be part of it. I don't know. It, it's definitely like it's definitely easier to follow something as it's happening versus trying to retroactively follow it. But at least that's just for me personally. But I do. I do right. think a lot of the activity around movies and around shows has kind of shifted with streaming for better or worse depending on your preference like maybe you don't want to hear borat for four months and hear people go my wife like every time you talk to them for four months so maybe this is great maybe this is a godsend to you but like for me i kind of miss the like we kind of never touchstones doing it in our circle i feel i feel like in my wife or especially the one where we were from one person in particular like i know like those were always pretty consistent 
They didn't, yeah, and it was, and there's also not like, super there's often, no way but they did come out like in regular, like at least once a month, someone would make a Borat reference or something. Right. Yeah, and and like it's hard to recreate that level of like right. cultural relevance. Like obviously, you know. Uh, a weird example that's not quite to the same extent, but you know, when American Pie 1 came out, the whole like pie scene and everyone referencing that sort of stuff and like Stifler and you know, all those things were like big. And Maybe I was just too young to, yeah. to remember, but I don't remember American Pie being like a huge. It wasn't, cultural. it wasn't the same extent yeah, of Borat by any means. No, my point was though, when the first American Pie came out, like those things kind of were out there, but it's not like when the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and then the female focused one that just came out it's not like when those come out people are suddenly like hey remember the pot like it came and went now so now extrapolate that out to borat which is much bigger and they make a sequel of course it's not gonna have the same sort of like pull as the first one did in terms of like those jokes or running gags like mtv obsessed over american pie one for a while there like i remember watching trl and they constantly make references and then like the second one came out it's like oh well okay no one cares anymore so there's some of that too it's not just because borat was streaming but hmm. Yeah. Right. Anyway, I feel like I talked more about the response to Borat than Borat <laughs> than to than to actual Borat. Yeah, which uh, isn't the point. Your guys' uh, favorite. Where were your guys' favorite scenes? That's it. I. You guys go first. I need to think about that. Actually. I don't know. Huh. I think my favorite one, which which in retrospect makes the scene even better, was I don't I don't know if either of you guys heard the story of. Of that, of a person being in a, in a Trump costume, infiltrating, I think the conservative something, something. Yeah, uh, CPAC or whatever it's called. Yeah, CPAC. Yeah. I remember hearing that story and it was like, oh, that's so weird. But then seeing the movie and realizing that that was Sasha Baron Cohen, it was like, it was him this entire time. How do, like, how was this kept hidden? Uh, I think he did an interview. I don't, I don't remember with, with, uh, what outlet it was, but he was like, yeah, they, uh, security escorted me out, but they didn't ask any, like, questions aside from that. Like, they didn't have me take off my mask, they didn't ask me for an ID, nothing like that. Mm-hmm. So, I thought that scene was hilarious, but then just realizing that it was Borat the entire time just, like, elevated it to, mm-hmm. to, like, a, to, like, a different level for sure for me, personally. There's one I thought was actually – this one was probably scripted, but I really enjoyed how he had to keep faxing back home and, like, their faxes were, like, <laughs> one yeah. word. And that poor Kinko's yeah. guy had to keep, like, <laughs> sending it back and forth. Um, I thought that was kind of funny. I also, like – I mean, this one's a little more like, oh, because, like, you know, it, I'm, I'm Jewish and it kind of – my family went through Holocaust. But, like, the – how how nice that woman was oh, when we went to the yeah. synagogue when and, went- like – when I saw that scene, I was like, oh, that's like the sweetest like old lady like I've ever seen. Yeah, and then it turns out she's uh, since died, so not to, but he dedicated the movie to her afterwards. And it was the one time I read about this after the fact. It was the one time he broke character ever after doing a bit is he went through that. He stayed in character, and then afterwards he told her, hey, I'm actually this guy. This is all a bit, et cetera, et cetera, because she was so nice to him. And he felt so bad about putting her in that position that he actually, for the first time in his history, has ever broken character to explain to someone what was going on. But – the crazy thing is, apparently, he, uh, so he dedicated the movie to her, and I think he gave her money towards something or something like that, and then she passed away, and now her family's suing him, even though she no. was totally okay with what happened and accepted, you know, how. Well, I, I think, I think it's because there's actually, we're just taking, uh, Sasha's word for it. I don't. Oh, you think there's more to it? Yeah, you think there's more to it? Well, well, like, not that, not that he's lying, but, I mean, is there actually, 
How did right, this? Is there is there is there video evidence backing what he's claiming about how she responded and what he yeah, told and, her? And I don't want to get cons- 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 like conspiracy theory here, but but yeah, it it's like That's he fair. he is just saying it. I don't think any of the producers have said that he's actually gone and done like actually. Okay. Apologize later on. That's fair. That's fair. Like I, t- I totally believe him, but I understand where the family would be coming from. Where it's like, yeah, well, she never told us that you apologized, like, you know, that kind of thing. Totally fair. But more a point, just how nice she was in the face of like something like that. Like, because you know, if you, especially if you went through it, you could easily go the other way and snap at someone. But the heck, you know, yeah, it's a weirdly mm-hmm. touching moment in a movie that's so full of absolutely like insane realities that we live in. Right. <laughs> yeah. So that might be my favorite, even though it wasn't particularly funny. Angel? Uh, I don't know. Still can't really think of one. Like there wasn't like one like specific, like standout scene for me, I guess. Um, right. Hmm. Yeah. We're talking know. about the end, the running of the, uh, uh, of the American, I think that, 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 that probably would have to be it. If I had to, think of one um yeah probably just like the running of the american that's pretty funny who, who was it? it it was it was trump uh well, it, wasn't fauci. Tr- it, it was just a oh yeah it, it was just a normal american a karen and a fauci oh it was a karen there we go it, it, yeah. there wasn't a trump on there no it was, I it, think it, there it, was a trump. no there wasn't trump it was what? just a regular oh, american okay. you know he had a hot dog in mm. one hand and um <laughs> I, forgot, I forgot what he had on the other <laughs> And played, All uh, Americans just have just have hot dogs in one hand. They were not wearing a mask and they were sneezing. Oh right, the sneezing. Yeah, I think I also think it's gonna be interesting to rewatch this movie. And I think our favorite scenes may change. Like if you rewatch this movie in like ten years, like if you go back and watch the first Borat, I'm curious how like indicative it is of like 2004 America. And if you go and rewatch this in like 2030, I'm kind of curious how like wow that was 2016 America. But again, because it's so like mask off now, like it might not have the same impact. But I am kind of curious to go watch the first one again and see, like, oh yeah, that was 2004 America. Like that was like those were you know like the jokes about Bush or whatever. Like it, yeah, I'm kind of curious how it holds up, you know, 16 years later. Right, it's been 16 years since the first. I I think it came out in 04, right? It was around there. I was 11 when that movie came out. Jesus Christ! Actually, yeah, that that checks out because I was in high school when it came out, and you're four years younger, so. That's more than half of my life, Jesus. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. So old. Hey, we're older, Angel and I. So. Uh, by a couple of years. I mean, it still is older. <laughs> right. No, uh, cool, cool, cool. Uh, wait, wait. <laughs> no, said, no, I'm sad. Cause of, oh, sorry, no, Angel. No, a reminder of the sad. passing age of time. You know, as we keep emphasizing, our time on this earth isn't long. We'll make the best of it. Our time on this earth is long. Uh, Angel, do you want to talk? <laughs> About uh, Marona's fantastic deal. Yeah, so I'm guessing neither of you have heard of that movie unless I brought it up, right? I'm... I have not. It feels like tonal whiplash and... from Borat, which is perfect. I know. <laughs> I, I know. Name. I dropped a trailer to it in this. In the... tonal, this is this is tonal whiplash. The podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, we did. I, I forgot what we did, and then we did uh, RTJ four. Oh right, it was. Yeah, we were talking about. Something silly, and then we're like, so let's get to the Syria. And it was in the peak of the protest this summer, too, yeah. 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 All right, sorry, Angel, you were saying? No, I know I dropped a link to the trailer for this film in um, the chat that I'm in that has you, Elvis, and a bunch of um, the other friends that are more exclusive to, I guess, your guys' group. But right. essentially, it's a, it's a French animated film that actually was released this week. Um, it made its 
tour around um, film festivals for a while and it got a lot of awards but I mean I obviously found this out a few months ago because I was kind of like keeping track of this movie and yeah, it finally came out and it was the movie of the week that I picked and mm-hmm. damn it's, it's a nice reminder why I need to check out films from other countries more often because it's not like I'm just exclusively watching like um, I guess American animated films or Japanese animated films but Right. I have watched um like The Little Prince. I think that's also a French film or it's definitely from another country. And I think The Breadwinner also falls in that category. Both of them great films. But yeah, Morona is a French one and it if I have to describe its animation, it's just extremely abstract and almost avant garde in a way. Like mm-hmm. like you have a lot of characters that besides Morona who's like the only character that has a kind of a consistent shape everything else kind of like like for example as a character is walking their lines may essentially like evaporate into the air or move all over in crazy ways and then just kind of reshape like no one just does something normally like if they take like one step their legs might like twist in all these crazy directions as they're taking the step and then you know do what they gotta do but it's just super trippy like if like, I know for a fact, like, if, if someone, like, had eaten, like, maybe, like, you know, like, special brownies or something while they're watching that movie, like, they would probably special be, brownies. they'd probably be, like, going crazy, because it's just, like, a mind trip, just visually. Like, if you, you could literally just watch that movie with, like, on mute. I mean, it is French, but. Right. You can also just not read the subtitles, and you'll still be entertained. Like. Is it if, a full-length movie with this style? Like, is it, like, a short, or is it, like, no, a full, it's a, like, it's hour a, and a it's a full hour and a half movie, and. Wow. Yeah, it's just. Very... Were any of you guys on special brownies when you watched this movie? <laughs> no. <laughs> we were just watching it normally. He says with a chuckle. <laughs> uh-huh. No, yeah, but um, it, it was really cool. Um, I really liked it. And it definitely, I don't know, I, I guess because of um, I guess because of the art style, it just really, I don't know, it, it really takes on a different form. I mean, I guess it's very interpretive. It can be confusing or it can be like, whoa, what's going on? But the story is still pretty simple. Like, in a nutshell, the story is about a dog. Like, it follows a dog that pretty much mm-hmm. going through its life. Like, you go through each different owner, seeing, like, all the hardships it went through, the ups, the downs. And it's and the dog is, like, narrating the story. So it's kind of like a, like a Thoughts of Dogs account, but animated. I don't know if you've ever, like, seen or, re- like, retweets or posts of those, but... It's like a Twitter account that's dedicated to just saying things like from a dog's perspective. So they're saying like, oh, my yeah. human, blah, blah, blah. Like I mm-hmm. like I always keep bringing this to my human, but my human gets mad at me like, what the hell or something. Yeah, so it's kind of narrated in that sense. And, you know, it, it's cute. It's, it has a lot of touching moments, but some of the caricatures of people like sometimes are really real in the sense that you're like, oh, wow, I totally see this character and this other person that I know. But and I would really recommend you at least like watch a trailer for it because it it just looks like nothing I've ever seen before. And the art style is like all over the place. Like you have some characters that there's very few that are actually CG. Most of them are two D. There is also kind of like a blend of like characters that look like they're kids' drawings. Oh, it's really it really is like all over the place. I don't know it's also just kind of sad and like I guess really quick spoiler alert. Um, just because. 
I guess I don't really want to say too much about the film because I really do. Right. I, I do recommend it, especially if you have a pet. But spoiler alert: if you watch a trailer or if you watch the film, like the movie literally begins with the dog dying, and so like it's already definitely like on the sadder end of films. But I feel like um it does a good job of just kind of getting you to take a step back and just get retrospective about like what a pet means to you, like how you think the pet maybe perceives the world. And, you know, then you look over at Dante, the the black Labrador that we have in our lives, uh, my sister's dog right. and her husband's. Um, you know, he's like a, he's like a doofus, but, you know, we still love him and we say like, oh, we wonder if, um, like maybe he's like annoyed by some of the things we do or, or maybe he really is just, you know, that unconditional love that he has. It's like, damn, must be nice to have to be a dog sometimes. They don't really worry about anything. Just They're just happy being next to us, but we always kind of... Our happiness, or I guess what we can... Things that would make us happy happy is always changing. Or I guess like right. we can't really stay constant for too long, otherwise I guess we start to get depressed. But it doesn't seem to be the case with dogs. But yeah, Marona, Fantastic Tale. French film I wouldn't expect to end up really liking, but it's... I don't know, it's an awesome, different... It's a nice change of pace. You won't find anything animated like that here in the U.S. Or Honestly, like, even like after all the anime movies I've seen, it's definitely way different. Like You think like Japanese films could get weird, or you know, like, ooh, anime, weird anime, and I've talked about that. The most weird. The Kappa <laughs> anal cavity ball thing. Um, I will never get tired of hearing <laughs> that, that, like that string of words. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's not gross or weird, but it's just, like, I would say probably just as weird, if not weirder than that, just from what you're seeing visually. The other one is more shocking, if anything. But, and this one sounds more, like, avant-garde, if anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, if you've ever seen any of those avant-garde films, it looks like a, you know, like a college art house film or something. Mm-hmm. But definitely very interesting. I would recommend hmm. it. Cool, cool, cool. So... This was a very good week for uh, gamers. Yeah, the Game & Watch, man. It's great. Impressions next week. Stay tuned, folks. Yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> what, what else What else came out this week for Nintendo? Did uh, just the Game & Watch. And, you know, the game industry is pretty quiet besides that. I mean, no one else launched anything when this t- week. It was just Game & Watch. It was really Yeah, it weird. was just the Game & Watch. Uh, yeah. Sony and, and Microsoft delayed, delayed their consoles because they were terrified of the game you know, just how just just how some developers are like pushing their games out of the way of Cyberpunk. Yeah, yeah, like delaying their stuff. Yeah, Sony and Microsoft just decided to yeet uh, their consoles. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, away from it. the Game and Watch launch. Fifty dollars for hardware and software, or five hundred dollars for just hardware, maybe software if you get a PlayStation. Yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah. That was a losing battle. That, totally. That was a lose-lose situation for these guys. Totally. No, so, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, two consoles launched. The uh, the next generation is officially here. Mm-hmm. Microsoft launched the Xbox Series line of Xboxes, I guess. The Xbox Series line? is. I, I, is I, I don't know. Someone I follow on Twitter is like, I'm going to call it just Xbox Series letter. <laughs> but, yeah, I've just heard right. people call it the X and S or the Se- Xbox Series, just Xbox Series. Um, yeah, I feel like I, I just—I would just say like Series X. Like but it's also S. Well, yeah, but they also. Yeah, and the S is a whole S. nother but, but, play. But the S is different audiences, even. 
under the same family branch as the X, isn't it? Like in theory... Theoretically, but theoretically also the Xbox One is under that branch because most of these games, at least for the next years, are all cross-compatible. Can I just call it the theories then? Yeah, that's what we were saying. Yeah, yeah just the series. The Xbox Series line of consoles. There we go, the Xbox yeah. Series line of consoles. The biggest launch they ever had at Xbox. Xbox, XS, XBXS, I don't know. XSLC. I just missed the days of the X-Bone for the Xbox One. Yeah, Xbox. I, people people would call the the, X, the series X the, the X or no no they would call it the X one when yeah. the Xbox one came out originally. I was like, that's lame. That's you're trying to be too cool there. Yeah, seriously. That's like it's not a fighter your jet main guys. on Overwatch, and you're calling it <laughs> yeah. the the X one. No, that was lame. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So they, they launched that on Tuesday on the tenth, I believe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, Sony was. Not was right, right on the back burner with the the PS5 on the twelfth. Twelfth. So I was fortunate enough to snag one. PS5, Jason, right? I know, I know you're. What? what, what? You, PS5, you snag specifically, just you, so people know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Angel, I believe you haven't gotten one, right? Uh, no, I was really tempted, but I think I just need to wait other ways because it, it it wouldn't be very financially responsible for me to get one right at the moment. Um. Oh, it definitely was very responsible for me. To get this <laughs> I mean, there, there's still like there are <laughs> there are ton of games I'm really like excited for that I was actually tempted to just buy the PS4 version, but I think I just need to wait just a while just to kind of catch up with everything else. Like, there, there, it's nice to remind myself that there's like no rush. Like, I'll I'll play things when I play them, unless. But then again, you know, like, um, there is no Smash Brothers equivalent coming out for it where I'm like, yeah, we'll have to get a day one. Like, I know that's like. Demon Souls for a lot of people, or Spider Man, or did All Stars Battle Royale come out for PS4? Or was that just a PS3? I think that was just a PS. Game. That was just a PS3 game. Uh, okay, well, yeah. never I, mind then. <laughs> I was about to say, there's your Smash equivalent. <laughs> That's literally there was. It was just many, many moons ago. <laughs> yeah. So, like I said, I was fortunate enough to to be able to get a PlayStation Five on launch. I didn't have to pay any ridiculous uh, scalper prices. Good. Um, I got it through Amazon, the the physical edition, even though I have like no plans to ever buy a disc for it. Unfortunately, <laughs> I had to settle for the the disc version. Uh, the digital version is much much sexier. Uh, the console itself is humongous. It's almost as tall as my PC tower. Wait, so how tall? Wow, is that? Um, it, I think. Give me an um, US metric. Fifteen and a half inches. Oh damn! Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's over a so foot tall. That, yeah, it's over a foot tall. Wow, this thing. How's this that thing fit is in? Like, so where are you playing? Like, do you have room on entertainment center for? It? Like, how's it even fit? Well, I don't. I I connect it to my monitor, so it's just on like my computer desk. Ah, I see. Uh, but I had to rearrange my computer desk to to add this mm. to add this thing on there. The whole setup process was was very very easy, very very smooth. Uh, like as soon as I went through the setup, as soon as I was done with it, I just downloaded a couple of PS4 games just to see how they would run, and. PlayStation 4 is known for its abysmal download speeds. Mm-hmm. So I was pretty surprised when this thing was like, oh, this thing actually downloads anything at the speed that it should. Um, and it might be because of its new like Wi-Fi card that they have in them. And um, isn't that kind of the emphasis with PS5 in a lot of things? It's just faster speed. and stuff? Yeah, like yes. load times and... Absolutely. Like Miles Morales like launches within for the first 10 seconds. From the main PlayStation menu... To you being in the game uh, in Spider-Man Miles Morales, I think it's like ten seconds. Oh wow! That's which yeah, which is insane. 
Funnily enough, I still haven't played any games developed for the PS5. Since I was done with the setup, I just downloaded a bunch of PlayStation 4 games <laughs> that uh, I still want to go back and finish or even platinum. Uh, the main game that I was thinking was Ghost Tsushima. And I think me and Angel talked about it a little bit in like one of the earlier episodes of QC. Is that yeah, right? Like I remember in that? July. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, 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 yeah I remember just, you mentioned that um, there was enough content in the first chapter to satisfy you with like how much time you put into it that you were just kind of done at that point. Yeah, that ga- that game's beautiful, but it like ran at thirty frames a second, and as you guys know, I I've become. Not, the snobbiest oh. of, uh, yeah, the snobbiest of gamers where I'm a PC player and 30 frames a second just no longer does it for me. Mm-hmm. So I had heard about it, but I was like, ah, you know, I just got to see it to believe it. Uh, this game runs at a full 60 frames a second, uh, mm. which is great. It actually makes the game feel a much, like, much more fluid. And like mm. the best thing that I could compare it to is adding like a quote unquote new car smell air freshener to like a, to like a car from a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Just just that little bump in performance uh, was was great, and so I think it is pretty cool that these new consoles are able to add uh, like performance features to last gen games. Which oh man, I can't believe that we're already in quote unquote new gen as opposed to last gen stuff. It's it's weird that like yeah, new next gen is now now gen, which is kind of an odd thought. But it's weird that I don't know. I guess it makes sense because we were going down this road with like the Pro and like the One X and stuff. But it's interesting that basically the next gen consoles are almost like iPhones or smartphone upgrades, where it's like it does everything your old one does. It just does it a little faster and a little better. Yeah, Plus, it exactly. has some new stuff. Like it's just such an interesting flip from the old mindset of it's this like siloed off, completely independent thing that everything's different. Like it seems like, especially Xbox, because they're using the same yeah, like interface Xbox. and everything. They're just adding quick resume, mm-hmm. but like because Sony, they they completely redid the UI and stuff, right? Like how is that? Yeah, so because Sony, uh, I believe I forgot who it was on the Sony side that, or I guess on the PlayStation side, because they're technically two separate entities. But I believe someone said that like, oh, we believe in generations. Yeah, that was so that was Sony. everything. Yeah, everything sort of has to look and feel new, and we will get to the feel in a little bit. But yeah, the the UI is completely different. Uh, there are some similarities, but there are some questionable changes that they've made. Uh, Angel would would understand some of these changes more. Angel, you know how like you would pr- you would hold on to the I guess the PlayStation button mm-hmm. on a DualShock Four, and like you'd have that little menu come up. Oh yeah, like to like shut down or hold, restart holding. The... Yeah. Holding down the PlayStation button does nothing on the PS5. Huh, wait, so how do you shut which it is, down from... You just tap it, and you have, like, this little, what they call control center. This this row of uh, this row of options at the bottom that you can choose. So you press the PS button, and you get these options, which is, like, switch between games, go to your friends list. And it's horizontal as opposed to the vertical nature of the, uh, the little mini menu on the PS4. Right? So, there's that thing. Mm. It, it, the The UI definitely does take a little getting used to, but there are some improvements. Like the store is now pretty much integrated into the actual OS itself. It, it, it's not like a completely separate app the same way it was on the uh, on the PS4. So there there are some very cool quality of life stuff that they've done to the OS itself, but they have. Uh, gone backwards on a, on a couple of things. 
Like, I would have loved to still be able... Like, muscle memory with a PS4, it's just like, you know, hold the button, the menu comes out, like, go up, press X, press X again, and your your system's gone to rest mode. Here, it takes the same amount of steps, but just, like, in a different uh, order. So now, it's like, instead of a hold, you tap, then you go down, then you go to the left, then you press X, and then you press X again. So, muscle memory is... It's going to take some time to get to get used to it, right. like I said. On the game side of things, I do have Demon's Souls and Miles Morales downloaded, but I still haven't played those. Um, I'm surprised you haven't played Demon's Souls yet. I'm kind of surprised, too, because that's why you bought the thing. <laughs> it's actually confirmed. Yeah. Uh, no, no. Yeah, Kevin, uh, are you okay? <laughs> tomorrow is my day off. I'm going to be playing Demon's Souls the entire day. Ah, nice. Um, what I have played, though, that I have played is uh, the game that's the packing game included with every PS5, Astro's Playroom. And I'm sure you two have heard about this. I have from me. so oh. many questions about it. Yes. I'm very yes, interested. Okay. I've heard some most Nintendo things Sony's ever done, so I'm very intrigued. Yes. Uh, so it's a, it's a, it's one of the most charming games that I've ever played in my entire life. Uh, it's a, it's a little platformer where you play Astro, who I think is sort of Sony's mascot at this point. It's like their, their unofficial mascot. Yeah, is I mean, like the, you know, this, this little robot. Like the yeah. DualShock yes. 4 in the previous games are like the consoles and stuff like make appearances in the game, right? Like it's like a very, yeah, it's very exactly. much like, I guess, in the universe of the console, I guess. I think it's set it. inside the console too, isn't it? Like he's supposed to be one of the little worker bots inside your PlayStation, isn't he? Is that kind of the premise? Because I remember the original demo, they had him like walking around like the inside of a controller or the inside of a system or something. Well, and it was VR yeah. because like your controller yes. itself, like like the touchpad would like open up and you would shoot like a grappling hook or something, and right, and you could right. like walk on it. So, so that was Astro. That was I think that was Astrobot Rescue Mission, mm-hmm. their VR game. Um, but every PS4 had this tech demo called the playroom where if you had a camera it was almost like uh i'm pretty sure it was ar mixed or not mixed but helped with your controller mm-hmm. where they're like, using the light on the controller. back of the then yeah I exactly. guess, dual shock <laughs> yeah yeah exa- exactly uh and the game itself is great it's uh i think i took about five six hours to to complete it uh it's not platinum yet i i do plan on platinuming the game mm-hmm. It, it's basically, it's four levels, and each level has uh, four sub-levels inside of them. But they kind of, they don't necessarily take you through the history of PlayStation. But, like, one level is dedicated to the PS1, another level to the PS2, another mm. level to the PS3, and so on. That's and really one level cool. To that the is really cool. Ah, I love that sort of meta stuff. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, and so, and so you're just you're, <laughs> you're just going through... Um, through these levels and they're aside from going through the history of them each one is themed so mm-hmm. one level it's called the ssd speedway there's uh the cooling springs level which is supposed to be like oh this this thing never overheats there's the gpu jungle and then like you'll find little robots recording little scenes from playstation games both exclusive and non-exclusives at one mm. point you come across Cloud's Buster Sword. And it's like a little guy with a camera, a little astrobot pointing at the Buster Sword. And it's supposed to evoke, you know, the main title screen of Final Fantasy VII back in the day. Right. I love this so much. Oh my God. This is so yeah, cool. Yeah, you will find a little, a little astrobot that's addressed as the main character of Gravity Rush, 
which is like such a deep cut. Yeah, that that's that's yeah, that's some real fan service right there. Yeah, like 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 walking up a building, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. There's I found one that like put a smile on my face of like these two astrobots dressed up as um as Chris Redfield and Jill Valentine from Resident oh, Evil really? opening like yeah, opening a door. Damn, I need to watch these. Yeah, Chris definitely, Chris definitely. So amazing. Like I'm I'm so t- like I want to play this somehow. I don't want to spend five hundred dollars, but I want to play this somehow. <laughs> right. And that's just the game side. Yeah. It like I said, it's while it is a cute little platformer, it's also a tech demo showcasing the new DualSense controller. Boy, I've I've never been a fan of gimmicks, but this might be the one gimmick to actually convert me to a a, a true believer. I I am a true believer now. If the Joy-Cons on the Switch have, like, HD rumble, Uh this controller has, like, 8K rumble. It's that big of a jump? It's that big of a jump. I honestly thought they were just going to match HD rumble. That's crazy. No. Oh, no, no, no. There there is a part where where they put uh, a bunch of little Astrobots in the controller, and, like, you shake the controller, and it feels like you have 15 little bots in there, you know? Yeah. It's not just like a slight rumble. It's it's a rumble that is distinct depending on whatever is happening in the game. So on the lighter side of things, there will be parts where you'll be walking on s- different surfaces and the controller will give you a slightly different rumble. Uh, hmm. So like walking through grass, if the controller feels gritty, you know, hmm. you'll feel a, a, a little gritty rumble. But walking on metal will feel very sharp and instant. Where, like, taking a step will be this quick little shake. And but then walking through grass, it do, you you do feel like, oh, it's it's almost like you're kind of trudging through grass. Or, like, you're walking through mud. It feels sticky in a certain situation. It's, it's, and I know it's it's weird to explain how something feels, but... No, I get it. I mean, like, cause it, I mean, did you try, like, you, have you tried 1 2 Switch and stuff when, like, HD Rumble and the Joy-Con? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Absolute. Okay, yeah, so absolutely. you have a point of reference. Yeah, cause I, um, yeah, cause I feel like, <laughs> well, like ten- no, no, cause, like, I feel like HD Rumble is really underutilized on the Switch. So the best example is 1 2 Switch. And I was gonna say, if you're saying it's that big of a jump from 1 2 Switch, and I thought the best thing about 1 2 Switch was how it used HD Rumble, like, I'm, like, blown away right now. Right. That's, that's crazy. That's that good. Cause like oh. Mario Odyssey tried to use it a little, but like for the most part, HD Rumble has been kind of this mi- mi- unused, underutilized thing on Switch. So I'm hoping if, if, if PS5 is that good that it gets picked up. Cause that sounds insane what you're describing. Yeah. And like, I'm hoping that the devs do take advantage of this well into the future because, you know, stuff like this is usually implemented towards the beginning of a peripherals like lifespan. Like you said, with like one, two switch. Mm hmm. And then later on, no one will even try. Just like the touchpad on the DualShock 4. Right. Some devs used it like as extra buttons or they would use, you would have to like swipe on it to do a certain thing, but eventually it just became a big map button for like open world games. Mm-hmm. But a little bit more on the controller. Then, so like that's, you know, your, your Astro just walking through these fields or just like on different surfaces. But then there'll be a part where you're sort of like in a small sandstorm. And the controller will rumble, but it will rumble like if it has also sand in it. <laughs> it's, it's I just don't understand how to, yeah. And then, like, on the opposite side of, like, sand, there will be 
parts in the game where Astro is in rain, uh-huh. and you will feel little taps in your hands, like if rain was hitting the palms of your hands, like without the witness, of course. But it's almost like this thing is just coated in little motors that you know give you this sensation, mm-hmm. this this truly quote unquote next gen experience. If it, it feels next gen as opposed to you know just the graphical uh, right, upgrade right. to some of these games. Uh, I, I think the real star of the show are the the triggers, which they call adaptive triggers, which is like, I don't know, haptic feedback on crack. <laughs> these triggers, these triggers will just be given tension on the fly. It's, it's not something that you have to manually, ch- like I know the, um, you could change the tension where like on the Xbox oh, like on, controllers, like how much choose. you have to push down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can, you can choose how far down you want it to activate mm-hmm. but this is this is much more different like there'll be a part where you're controlling a rocket ship with uh like two boosters on the left and the right and you really got to push on these triggers to activate the boosters the, the part that amazes me is like you have that part right I, I had to pause the game for some reason and when i pause the game the triggers are back to just being regular triggers where it's like crazy. huh it's so it yeah adds resistance it adds resistance on the fly it's insane i read some interesting examples of how other games are using it too i don't know if you've heard. yes I, i'll you're gonna get to that sorry I don't yeah I was, I was gonna get to that sorry don't um and then no worries they'll add resistance to the triggers but then they'll also add the rumble that i just talked about so it, it makes it even more immersive like there's there's a part where it, the triggers then essentially become sort of like jackhammers where they will go in like 20 percent down and then they will just shoot back up like really quickly. It's like you you get this like little ball gun that shoots, huh. well that shoots balls, and it's you feel like the pop of each ball coming out of the gun, like just quick little ta 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 ta. That's gonna sound terrible in the in in the audio. Nah, it sounded uh, but, beautiful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At one point, you know, you get a bow and arrow, and and of, of course you feel the resistance of the bowstring as you're pulling back the arrow, but you also have sounds coming out of the controller, just like the DualShock 4. So it's, you're, you know, you're also hearing how tight the bowstring is getting. Right. You know, right. it's, it's awesome. The devs of Call of Duty, uh, Black Ops Cold War, they've shown this how smaller guns, you push down the triggers to aim down the sights. Mm-hmm. Uh, smaller guns will be almost instant. But if you have like a big bazooka, you will really have to, they will add tension to it, so it feels like you're you're aiming down a a, a bigger gun, you know, mm. or, or mm-hmm. a, a rocket launcher. Yeah, I think you Fortnite's know? doing similar. That's what I heard about. Yeah, Where, what is Fortnite doing? Do you know? They're well, so depending on the gun you shoot, they're gonna it's gonna be pressing differently. Yeah, basically what you're describing with Call of Duty, um, but maybe right. not to say except yeah, Fortnite's doing that. Did you hear about NBA 2K? That's honestly my favorite of the bunch because it's such an interesting. So they, as your players get fatigued, as you're running around the court, it'll be harder to throw the ball. Oh, wow. Which is really cool in concept. Like it'll be harder to press that button and get that ball thrown. Like it'll resist more the more tired they are. And and then you have to go bench them. Like I think like the the possibilities of this are so – like this is a very Nintendo-y type of innovation. It's really cool. There are uh, accessibility features in it, so if you are having trouble, you know, pushing down, pushing down a trigger, you can completely turn off these these features off. You can turn off the rubble if you want. Mm. You can turn off the triggers if you want. Um, that's thoughtful. So that, that's smart. so that's so that's cool. And like I said, 
hopefully this goes well into the uh into the PlayStation 5's lifespan because I think it's it's super cool. I've like I said I've never been a fan of gimmicks on the 3DS. I will turn off the 3D. I would just I don't care much for HD rumble aside from, you know, if a mini game needs it like in one to switch. But right. this adds it just adds so much immersion to to like these already great looking games. I know in uh, Spider-Man, when you're actually web swinging, you know, there is some a light tension to the triggers, as opposed to on the PS4 where you know you're just pushing down the trigger, like like nobody's business. It's it's really cool. It also makes sense now why why Sony doesn't want to let you use a DualShock 4. Mm-hmm. Although the fact that you can't turn off these features, it's like well, I mean it is possible, right? But if you're playing. Astro's Playroom with a DualShock 4, it's like, well, it's kind of a waste. It It is a great game in its own right. Yeah. But but showcasing the controller as well, it's 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 something. I, yeah, you guys absolutely have to feel this. I, yeah, I, I was just about to say, you know, not to, like, go full circle with the episode, but the, you know, we started talking about how, like, it, the, the little things we take for granted that are now gone. I think right. this, demoing this, Sony getting this out there in people's hands during E3, during Comic-Con, what have you. Like, it feels like they were, like, in sort of, like, stuff. Like, like, they announced yeah, the dual sense. marketing thing where it's like, oh, you, you got to get it in your hands. and now Yeah, exactly. It and it's so strange, like, if you think about it, Like, they announced the dual sense, like, this is going to be a big thing. Like, we're revealing the controller separate from the console, and everyone's like, all right, I guess. And, like, it was kind of with the Wii. Like, here's this crazy, crazy remote. And it wasn't until E3 when the Wii came out, like, 20, you know, 2006, where the lines were long. People were like, all right, what is this thing? And then the impressions started coming in. And then it was right. like, oh my god, you need to buy a Wii. You don't understand. This feels similar. So, but I guess what's kind of interesting is like, I think there would be a lot more interest in what this does going into it if they did proper demos. But at the same time, there is something to be said about basically surprising, or if you want to use a pun, springing this on everyone. Ha ha, cuss of the. Anyway, uh, there is something to be said for basically everyone buying a PS5, like, oh, I'm just getting it because I want faster speeds and newer graphics, and then being surprised by the insanity of this controller. So, like, yeah, it's, it's kind of an interesting, insane. like, COVID kind of created a unique circumstance where I don't think everyone could have the revelationary, the the revelation of, like, oh, my God, this is so crazy. Like, they would with any other console launch, even the Wii, because you knew going into it, it's, like, it felt like magic, but you knew it was going to work. <laughs> this, no one knew yeah. this was going to work, <laughs> like, like this. It just sort of appeared, and that's actually kind of mm-hmm. cool. Like, I'm sure it's just yes. another layer to, the like, the launch experience, you know? I think I might have a good time with this console. I have never been more interested in going hands-on with a non-Nintendo console. <laughs> like, obviously there's yeah. games and stuff, but, like, this controller plus Astro just feels... Someone someone was looking at, like, Nintendo's notes of how to properly launch it. Right. You know, do a thing and just, you know... You like, like, I'm already... I'm, I'm already thinking thinking ahead to the future with, like, this controller, like, with God of War. In God of War, you know, you throw, you throw the axe, and then you press a button and the axe comes back to you. I can only imagine how cool that's going to feel. Oh, like the thump. Not only yeah. throwing the axe, but then recalling it and, you know, feeling feeling the right side of the controller just vibrate with, the, with you know, the, the axe coming back to your hand. Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, so. it's funny because, like, I feel like in the Nintendo world, I was like, oh, Sony always, like, sort of copies Nintendo, like, dual, you know, analog stick, analog stick, uh, rumble, rumble, uh, motion, motion, you know. Uh, but this feels like Sony didn't actually went further into like well what is it that nintendo mm-hmm. does and how do we do that in a sony way and actually like did it you know what i mean like not not knocking them yeah. in their games or anything at all but there's definitely been in terms of controller innovation Nintendo usually is first then sony catches up then xbox is like 
what if we just like did that but it's customizable and kind of did like their own weird like elite controller but this feels like the first time or when they did that their, sony's their taking connect. the lead on a control yeah connect being the wii without a controller but well, this feels like the first time sony's the first instance of this and then they're kind of like like yeah, but this is, sounds so much more advanced. Oh, like yeah, the yeah. Ad- adaptive triggers, like this, really feels like Sony. Oh, yeah, that, that sounds finally nice. taking the lead on input innovation versus gameplay innovation. If that makes sense. Right. So, and yeah, it's funny how is, like something you know, like cool that like yeah. makes a big difference. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's definitely interesting, just like what it takes to. I guess it it almost feels like granular things you could add to add immersion to gaming, but it really does do a lot. Like, I mean, even kind of how like. I felt like 3D did a lot. Um, maybe just because I guess like 3D doesn't get me dizzy, but like I remember playing a lot of games on my PS3 in 3D. Like I was able to play the whole God of War series. I played some Mortal Kombat in 3D, and the TV mm-hmm. also kind of like changes some things to 3D with the it has a 3D button. It wasn't always perfect, but I don't know that just having that little extra like depth just makes everything feel I guess more real or you get you know you get more sucked into these experiences and this controller just sounds right. like another awesome way to yeah. do that especially since we're obviously not getting 3d back anytime soon that's definitely and, a, a one and done and i do already emphasize i'm not saying Sony doesn't innovate i'm just saying in terms of control like a lot of the stuff they do with games is now you know trickled down to other companies but in terms of inputs this seems like the biggest leap sony's ever done which is and really it's it's taking parts of other ideas nintendo did the wii remote speaker and it was whatever hd rumble was the first step um adaptive triggers have been rumored forever i remember when the, the switch was still the nx people were like oh adaptive triggers go have adaptive triggers but to see sony basically combine them all and make like the it's like what apple does you know where they like they wait a little longer but then they kind of combine them in just the right way, the features, to make it like really feel like something special. It sounds like this controller is that, which is such Nintendo turf that they're trying on. But it's really cool. I'm how do I how do I say this? I'm, <laughs> Happy. I'm very, I'm very. Ex- it's more like I'm very <laughs> excited for the you guys to actually feel it. Oh yeah, I can't. I don't know when because of stupid COVID, but I am very much yeah. looking forward to being able to go hands on with this. Like, like I like if we were still recording this at Angel's house, I absolutely would have taken the console over for Ooh, you guys to feel this. Cool. Oh, I now I really wish like <laughs> it's funny because we're talking about like well we can make doing COVID, we could get five. I'm like man, we could have recorded in person. I could be playing this. Like I feel like I would absolutely love Astro's Playroom. Like it seems so up my alley, both in length, it's yeah, only like six hours, and in meta ness and in control and and innovation and ah yeah, I'm jealous. Uh-huh. I'm very jealous. I don't think I'm going to spend five hundred dollars on this thing. But Damn, my Nintendo loyalty. I mean, you it, totally honestly, could have gotten Nintendo, one if you really wanted one, but yeah. I mean, let's let's be honest. If it, if it had a Nintendo name on the box, I would have bought this day one. It's the exact the Nintendo PlayStation Five. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it, it checks all the boxes. Like in terms of what you described here, with what you played, it checks all the boxes of what like I love about a Nintendo launch. Right. So it's it, it's it's just yeah. I didn't think I'd feel this way after you described it, but I'm really like into it. Yeah, it's it's man. This this controller. Not and I didn't even talk, really talk about the controller. I I thought the DualShock Four was was a was a big step up from the DualShock Three. The DualShock Three felt like a toy, you know, mm-hmm. and did it, it did follow the form factor of the the previous two DualShocks. Uh, so the DualShock Four was almost like the most radical redesign. But then going to the DualShock Five, it, it feels nicer. Uh, the build quality feels nicer. I, the DualShock 4s were notoriously, people would go through a bunch of DualShocks. Like, I, I think I read somebody went through like eight 
through, throughout his PS4 lifespan. Well, this thing feels you like you it can like take it Maybe I'm kind of the lucky ones. Um, I mean, my brother and I, our original DualShocks, they were perfectly fine. I've only just gotten another one recently just because I finally was managed to get the orange one and I got all this like a see-through right. red one. And besides right. those two, I mean, he got, I guess, technically a second and third one when he got his Batman PS4, then he got the Monster Hunter one, so that's another Monster Hunter one. Then we have four controllers between us total, maybe five. But none of them have broken or anything. Cool, cool. Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, my initial PS5 impressions. Uh, I'm sure I'll talk about Demon Souls next episode. Yeah, I'm very curious Maybe to hear about Morales. that actually. And some Miles, yeah. yeah. I there someone did a great video. If you if if the people listening haven't seen it on I guess Twitter, someone did a video where they synced up Miles Morales and web slinging around to that uh what's up danger scene in, What's up danger in, yeah. into the spy uh spyverse. It's so good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think Jeff cool, Keighley cool. retweeted it, so just go find him on Twitter, listeners. You know who he is probably if you're listening to us. So Angel. I think this one's yours, right? Is it? Well, first we have to do housekeeping. Wait, no, 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 no. There, there's right. one more thing on the list. There is. I don't know who's who's this is. Oh yeah. no, I, if there was one, I I thought I erased it, but I guess I no, no, no. We we could always save it. All right, we'll save it. What a tease for next yeah. time. <laughs> what are we gonna talk about? Only one way to find out. And you gotta <laughs> tickle their interest. Yeah, tickle their interest. Tickle their interest. I don't know how I don't know if that would hold up in court. Uh, <laughs> well, but uh, anyways, uh, you know, housekeeping. Let us know what you thought about the podcast. Let us, if you have any impressions of your own about the PlayStation Five or mm-hmm. weird uh, French movies, or uh, even uh, <laughs> in car events, or let us know. His or, wife. I, God, I didn't do the voice right. Or or, or his wife. <laughs> I tried to do it you like as an inquisitive thing, and I botched it. <laughs> nice. Nice. Uh, subscribe nice. to our podcast nice. on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, Google Podcasts. Tune in, iHeartRadio, all that jazz. Uh, on Twitter, we are Random Nintendo. Oh no! I, well, <laughs> rewind. We are. You're we not are, wrong. <laughs> we are. No, hold on. Because because we are, are Random Nintendo. Come on YouTube. There you go. Then I get into you. You would think that I'd get better at this. I every now and it's then it's only the thirteenth episode. It's okay. Yeah, uh, we are random Nintendo on Twitter. Uh, individually, Jason is uh, at JSR7. Mm-hmm. Angel is at Weiro underscore O, at W E I R O underscore O. I am KVN Gomi on Twitter. Uh, and I think that's pretty much wraps it up. Next week, we will have a brand spanking new episode of uh, random Nintendo where we will talk about the competition to the Xbox series of consoles and the PS5. Good old Game & Watch. Game & Watch. Speaking of, and, uh, I'm going to just say it because we're doing teases. Definitely tune in next episode because uh, we're going to have a giveaway of said competition. So if you want to know how you can win your own Game & Watch for free, uh, tune in and we will Those tell are you. sold out. Yeah, they are go. sold out. I, they're, they're, uh, they're flickering on some sites. But yeah, they're not easy to get and we have one for you. So. Right, uh, I listener, I wish that I could give you a a, a PS5, but uh, <laughs> these things are expensive, and they're even more expensive once you go to eBay or OfferUp. Jesus, some of these, some of these they're things, like a thousand dollars. Yeah, I'm gonna pat myself on the back uh, for being able to get a PS5, and I was able to get myself a RTX 3070, both well notoriously done. hard piece of hardware. 
I I will take. I'm a, a happy camper. This I'll year. take a step down on that ladder and pat myself on the back for getting two gaming watches from two sites within an hour of the thing launching. But I mean that. <laughs> I mean that's that's pat on the back worthy. So you have that. the bigger pat for sure. I I have the more expensive pat, and uh, my bank account is yelling at me. And mine it. is like, thank God you're a Nintendo fan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, that'll uh, that'll do it for this episode. Jason, take us out. Uh, Game Watch giveaway next week. Tune in. Don't miss it. You want one.